our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. I am your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me as always is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And we are back after a few weeks off. Uh, after being in Philadelphia doing a ton of commitment podcasts, we are back to the main episode. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We'll get into DeMonte Coxie, Sky Clark, what's next for Memphis football. But first, Brooks let Kenny and I know before the podcast that he had something he wanted to, to discuss. So, Brooks, the floor is yours. Yeah, so, you know, th- this is kind of interesting to talk about from a fan perspective because it does change things for roster outlook for both basketball, football, and and other sports as well, but mainly for basketball and football. But the main reason I wanted to talk about this issue today is that it really does affect prospects, athletes. And for us, you know, like we, we really do care a lot about the people that we cover. And for me, you know, like the the prospects I've talked to, that I, I've worked with, that I that I know, I want to make sure that they're as informed as possible. And, you know, so I, I see a lot of kids waiting on commitments. And the more that I talk around to coaches, the more that I hear about the legislation coming down from the NCAA, uh, the more I'm concerned. And here's why. Everyone, I'm sure, has seen that the NCAA recently – uh, gave uh, winter and spring athletes an additional year of eligibility. So that means Memphis current University of Memphis football and basketball players get an extra year of eligibility for the 2020-2021 season. So let me break it down for you. If you are enrolled as a senior, you get an extra year of eligibility if you want it. If you are enrolled as a freshman, you get an extra year of eligibility if you want it. People don't realize you now have five years to play five if you are enrolled currently at a Division I school. So that means when, you know, let's just take Musa Sise, for example. If Musa Sise were to find himself in school four years from now, he could find himself making the decision to come back for a fifth year for free. And here's why this matters for next year specifically. It's going to turn into a snowball effect for for prospects. For example, if Memphis had three seniors on roster for the basketball team this year, they have currently 13 scholarships available. Well, those three seniors could roll over to next year, get an additional year of eligibility, and they become their own three limits, you know, three scholarships. 
So Memphis can now have 16 scholarship players. Now, this may not be out there, but it's it's true. that This is what the NCAA legislation says. If those three players take an extra year, next year only, the school can then fill all 13 with other players. What's going to end up happening is that schools that aren't in that position and don't have those seniors, don't have those players, they will stockpile using the free one-year transfer. They'll get guys from other schools who get an extra year that maybe aren't happy where they are, and they'll go recruit from the transfer portal instead of taking high school kids. And that matriculates down all the way down to the lowest level of Division I college basketball and football. If you wait until you know March, April, May of your senior year and you think, yeah, I'll just I'll commit then. A high school senior, 17, 18-year-old kid is not going to be able to stack himself up against a college senior transfer. Period. You know, it's it's essentially it's leasing instead of buying. These coaches will begin the, begin the process of leasing players on a short-term lease to try to fill holes on their roster, especially when you start talking about mid-major and low-major level schools where they, they take on a ton of risk to go find a four-year player, develop them for three years or two years, and have them up and transfer to a higher level when they start doing well. Why would they take a high school kid who thinks he's a high major player, take the time and the energy to develop him over a year, two, three years, only to lose him when he's going to be at his best in college basketball. They won't. They'll go get a high major guy who didn't get as much time, wants to move down a level, and show everyone what he can do. So and I so I tweeted this this morning. I said, "Let me state this with the utmost sense of urgency. If you are an uncommitted class of 2021 or 2022 high school or JUCO prospect with an offer that you like, take it. Get serious about your recruitment now, or you could be left without a scholarship. This COVID extra year of eligibility legislation being passed by the NCAA is going to change the landscape of college recruiting and available scholarship." scholarships for the next five years so freshmen that are enrolled this year four years from now they do not roll over into that extra pot so they don't it's only next year that schools get above the limit of scholarships so in four years that freshman now is going to be a senior getting a fifth year of eligibility he's taking your spot he is taking your spot. They will not have a spot for you. So if you're 2021, 20, 2022, 20, and beyond, know this. If a school offers you, you better take it seriously. All right, so with all that said, let's take a quick break, hear from some sponsors, and we'll come back with the actual legitimate Tigers in 20 podcast, talk about some University of Memphis-specific football and basketball stuff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, guys, so let's shift to Memphis basketball recruiting now. Memphis has been on a bit of a hot streak lately landing John Camden, Jordan Nesbitt, and Sam Amide within a couple weeks. Um, and now another one of their top targets for 2022, who we all believe will reclassify to 2021. Sky Clark is scheduled to make his announcement on Thursday. Brooks, I know you've talked a lot about this on our boards, but what is the latest on Sky Clark and his recruitment? Yeah, so in spite of a, a hard push and a late push by the University of Memphis, essentially playing with house money, uh, I do not expect Memphis to be the school that Sky Clark ends up at, you know. And and the interesting part is that for weeks North Carolina was considered to be the favorite, and you know, n- pretty much everything over the last three to four weeks has indicated Kentucky. You know, I talked to a very good source about four weeks ago that said that Kentucky uh, felt like they were behind UNC and that they were prepared to make a big push for Sky. And that is exactly what they did. I fully expect that when Sky Clark makes his commitment public uh, tomorrow, Thursday, whenever we release this podcast, uh, that that it will be Kentucky. So for Memphis, that's not a huge blow because they didn't put a ton of time and resources into that one. Obviously, they recruited him, but they initially recruited him as a class of 22 uh, prospect and with him shifting possibly to 21, you know, it's not a huge blow. They've got a tremendous class already, third in the country. Um, and now they can simply wait, be patient. They they won't fill many more spots, one uh, possibly. And I think that what they can do now is sit back, wait, evaluate what the transfer market with the one-time transfer waiver going into effect in January 21, uh, they can now sit back and be picky 
very selective about who they take in that last spot. So uh, for Memphis fans, nothing to panic about. It kind of is what it is. Memphis tried uh, to no avail. Yeah, and I think Memphis is in a very advantageous position now because we've talked about it multiple times on the podcast that they have kind of reshifted their recruiting focus. We know in the past several years, Penny Hardaway has held out on some of these top guys and gotten burned because of it in certain situations. Obviously, it's paid out with with multiple guys like like Precious Achiwa. But instead of waiting this year, they changed their recruiting strategy. They wrapped up the majority of their class early, hoping to sign them in December, get all those guys locked down. And then, like you mentioned, Brooks, they can pick and choose uh, if they want to take one and maybe two more. They can do that at the end of this class. They can keep an eye on the grad transfer market. So I think for Memphis fans, just know that Penny Hardaway and the staff are in a perfect position right now. You have the bulk of your class and a very good class at that already locked up. And now you kind of wait and see if you feel like you need to fill any needs or someone does end up transferring. You still have that spot or two that you can go back and fill if need be. So I think it's a perfect spot. I love the way that they changed that method up this year, took the guys that they wanted that fit the system perfectly early in the recruiting calendar, and they're getting them locked up in December. So uh, I think it was a great shift, and it's obviously worked out up to this point for Penny Hardaway and the staff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So I would say right now Memphis will begin to push toward evaluating and and really starting to – try to force the hand early of some of the class of 2022 guys, uh, which is going to be interesting to see. Like they've already got Arterio Morris on the hook. Who else can they start to kind of uh, put a little pressure on, start to see whether or not they could maybe get a couple early commits in 22? Because, you know, here's the thing. They're selling the same concept that I just spoke about on this podcast. Your spot is not going to be available if you wait. You know, they will begin the process of putting the clamps down on some of their primary targets. You know, the the Lee Dorts, the Justice Williams, Derek Whiteheads, uh, Barry Dunning. Those guys, they'll start to put pressure on them and say, hey, listen, if you want to come, if you like us, get on board early. And if not, we're going to move on. Uh, So it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not uh, 22 guys start popping early. And that's really the only thing I expect to see out of Memphis basketball recruiting for for quite some time. You know, it might be April before we see anything on 2021. All right. Well, with that being said, let's take another quick break. That kind of wraps up our basketball talk for the podcast so we will move along and talk about football demonte coxie and what's next for memphis after the break okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back, everyone, uh, and let's talk some football. Unfortunately, I had an insane day this past Saturday and missed the Memphis versus UCF game. I'm actually in the process of trying to rewatch it. Had four birthday parties for my nine-year-old. So uh, the biggest storyline about that game, however, I did not miss, and that is DeMonte Coxie missing from Memphis's lineup later. Uh, you know, two days later, announcing that he was officially uh, opting out f- or you know quitting the remainder of the 2020 season with the University of Memphis and essentially leaving the program. So, Christian, Kenny, what do you guys think about that decision? Uh, how's it impact Memphis? What do we look for moving forward? So, first thing for me is when you take a look at the offensive production that Memphis has lost from last season, it's incredible that they had 700-plus yards and 50 points. Absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. So Antonio Gibson was kind of their Swiss Army knife, running back, receiver. He was out of eligibility, went into the draft. That was expected. Kenny Gainwell, who, for for what it's worth from us, we all believe he's a top-five running back in college football, opted out right before the season started. Obviously a major blow. But then the the the, uh, the thought from everybody at that point was, okay, you still have Brady White, and you still have your number one receiver in DeMonte Coxie, and they're going to lead the team this year. You get three games in, and there's no more DeMonte Coxie, and you, you kind of look around and go, well, what, what the hell happened? How did we get here? And I'm sure Brady White was thinking the same thing because he did not sound too happy uh, in the post-game press conference uh, after the UCF game talking about you know having the guys that we have here that want to play, that want to be here, um, so obviously I think he was a little hurt by losing his number one target, but when you look at what they did, it's incredible. You had two 100 yard receivers, one in Taj Washington who played sparingly last year and another in Calvin Austin who was a walk on and played a decent bit last year and had some good games, but not a guy that you expected this year to have nine catches for 151 yards and two touchdowns. That's supposed to be DeMonte's stat line. So you have him with that. Taj Washington goes over 130 yards. Javon Ivory, who steps in for DeMonte Coxie, has 88 yards and a touchdown and looked a lot like DeMonte Coxie on the field. So it's incredible when you think about what Memphis's staff has done with these skill position players, uh, not only in getting them ready, but in recruiting them and and discovering talent that wasn't necessarily you know top-rated talent. A guy like Taj Washington was not supposed to have a 130-yard game in his second year. He was a guy that's supposed to be a third- or fourth-year guy that comes along. Javon Ivory, kind of the same thing. He was expected to sit behind DeMonte this year, learn from him uh, in his second season, and then kind of have a breakout redshirt sophomore year. 
but it's not it's not what it's not the hand that Memphis's staff was given. Um, but they they came out and performed. I mean, they played what is considered to be the best team in the conference prior to losing to Tulsa. I guess you could say Cincinnati's considered the best team in the conference now, but a very good team in UCF, and they put up 700 plus yards and 50 points without their number one running back last year, their number one receiver from last year. Uh, Antonio Gibson and Patrick Taylor, all the weapons that they had last year gone, and this is what they do. And that's a testament to not only the staff, but Brady White and what able what he's been able to do with the receiving core, the chemistry that he's obviously developed throughout multiple off-seasons with these guys. And I think at this point, it's just you have to give credit where credit is due. I think Brady White played the best game of his career, and that was without his number one receiver and his projected uh his projected running back from last year. So all props go to him, and uh, it's good to see this young receiving core coming to age pretty early on in their career. So Brady White's had a lot of really good games in his career at the University of Memphis. Once he leaves and we look at his, we look back at his career, is this going to be the game, the UCF game this year? Is this going to be the game that we go, let this dictate the narrative about Brady White's career at the University of Memphis and, and how good of a player that he is? You know, we've been banging that drum for a long time about how uh, how much how good we think he is. But is this the game, Christian? Is this the game, the UCF game, going to be like? Look at this. Look at what he did here. I think that's I think that's hard to pinpoint because he has had so many big time games. I think a lot of fans had hope for Brady in his first game against Mercer when he threw for four hundred plus yards and five touchdowns. And then that season was kind of a roller coaster. So there was a lot of questions coming into year two. And then he started off the year poorly last year, had the Temple game where Memphis lost in large part due to him turning the ball over multiple times. But then he came out and responded against Navy and went off at the end of last season. So it's hard to pinpoint what what's the specific game where you can look back and say, okay, Brady White had a very successful career at Memphis and made Memphis a better team. I, I honestly think it would be more towards that stretch at the end of last year when you can kind of look at it and say, okay, this is where Brady White changed and became the player that he is now. I know he had a rough game against SMU. That's kind of a game for every player that you can just throw out the window. That was 28 days, no practice, no live action, no game, and then you come in against a very good SMU team. So I don't even think that performance necessarily counts. That just That game kind of is what it is. It happened, it's over, Memphis lost. But now moving forward, this is what you have to expect from Brady White. They're going to lean on him. They want to be a running team. We know that. But with the defense struggling, the secondary struggling, um, and kind of that game script getting flipped early on them because they've been down big early in games throughout the season, it's not leaning on the running game. You have to lean on Brady White. He's going to have to have performances like this all season if Memphis wants to be a good football team. Because no one's going to come in and magically fix the secondary. T.J. Carter wasn't available, which is a, a big loss. Um, but, I, I mean, he was there for the SMU game, and it wasn't great. Reggie Roberson absolutely toasted Memphis. So I don't think the secondary is going to be great this year. I think teams are going to have success through the air. I think Memphis is going to have to play in shootouts or play from behind in a lot of their games this season because we know how offenses are in the American Conference so I think for Brady White, it's just he's got to keep pressing. He's got to keep doing what he's doing. 486 yards, passing, 30 yards rushing, seven touchdowns. If he can do half of that uh, in every game, Memphis should be just fine this season. Let's just talk about one thing real quick. Uh, I, and I don't know if there's like a, a particular play that was kind of it. But for me, 
just I was I was having to watch this box score as the game was going on, and it, to me, it felt like this particular moment in the game is. I look back on it and I'm like, I, I thought I'd given up. You know, there was, I think with a little over like, what, about 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, Memphis was down by 14 points. It's 43-29. And Memphis drove the ball, scored a touchdown with, uh, with looks like, looking at it right now, about nine minutes left. So they scored three touchdowns in a matter of nine minutes. But fast forward as I was watching this, I, I still thought it was over after that score. But it was when UCF got the ball with three and a half minutes to go and Memphis's defense, so they, they started with an onside kick and Memphis lost it. I was like, oh shit, they're already <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to force their hand, they're trying to get something going. And I thought, nah, they're gonna score here short field, it's over. Memphis defense forced UCF to a three and out. I was like, oh my God, they got a chance. And Memphis went right down the field, scored. I was like, this could happen. That to me felt like the different that one three and out. You know, everybody, you know, is talking about Memphis's secondary, how I mean Gabriel is a, a monster, and he has made a lot of even decent to great defenses look bad. And so I, I want to give them a little bit of a pass, but Memphis stood up at that time with you know three minutes left in the game. They got their three and out, put the offense back on the field, gave Brady White and company a chance to win that game. And to me, that that kind of felt like the defining moment. And then to to kind of stand up at the end – forced that field goal earlier in the game, the blocked, uh, you know, extra point difference in the game right there. Uh, and, and so like, we want to talk about how great Brady white is, but there are some very key plays that the defense made that, that essentially made that win possible for Brady white. I think I might be wrong on this and Christian, you probably know better than I do, but was that three and out series, not the same series that OB had the, the play where he got his helmet ripped off at the at the offensive line that play to me Christian shaking his head saying no but that play to me was a game changer in terms of just the momentum it felt like the the defense basically stood up and said we're not going down without a fight like OB got his head ripped off at the line and still got a tackle for loss in that in that play and I thought that was such a huge play for the defense um, Christian, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that was a, a huge stand, I thought. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big play. I think that was maybe two drives before that onside kick drive. That wasn't the sack. The sack was on the other end of the field. Um, but but it's, it's weird with this defense. It's hard to get an accurate feel for where this defense is because they have been a second-half defense, and they weren't great. I'm not saying they were great in the second half against UCF, but you look at the Arkansas State game, they started off the game terribly. They came out in the second half and they really shut them down. SMU was a lot of the same. SMU steamrolled Memphis' defense in the first half, played much better in the second half. And then against UCF, UCF scored points in the second half and put up yards. 
but they did make some critical stops. So it's hard to get a feel for this defense. I think we've said all along that they are going to get better as the year progresses just because with a new system, with new coaches, it takes time. Uh, I Just being honest, I didn't expect them to be this bad at the beginning of the season. I thought the defense was going to be a strong point this year. I think it still potentially could be if you find the right players um, and, and everyone completely buys in. It could It could get better especially before the season's over. But they have played good situational football. They've made stops at certain points in the game where it's absolutely necessary or you lose the game. So it's hard It's hard to kind of get a feel for where they are at because they give up a lot of points and they get up, give up a lot of yards. But they've played decent situational football, which is obviously imperative for a defense. But these are, this is one of those things where you just have to hope and pray that as the, as the year goes on, the defense continues to improve because – you don't want to see teams putting up 800 yards and 49 points every week because it's very difficult to win football games like that. Christian, who do you think is going to be the the recipient of DeMonte Coxey leaving? Who's going to be the guy that's going to step up? I know you got Washington, Ivory, Calvin Austin are going to be the main receivers moving forward. Um, but who's going to be the player that you think is going to be the guy that Tiger fans need to watch out for in terms of production moving forward, filling that gap, basically? Well, I mean, I've said Calvin Austin since the offseason was going to have a big season, and Brady White obviously really likes him. I think he led the team in targets through the first two games. I think he had more targets than DeMonte Coxie. That him and Brady White just weren't clicking necessarily. Uh, Brady would miss some throws. You could tell Calvin. There was some miscommunication. Calvin would run the, run the wrong route sometimes. But it seemed like they finally got on the same page against UCF, which is really what the offense needed. Um, so I would say he is the number one moving forward, but it's it's going to be a, a wide receiver by committee. There's not necessarily a go-to guy. I think Sean Dykes is obviously very important. He's going to play a big role, not a receiver, but he's definitely going to be one of Brady's go-to targets. But Brady's going to have to utilize all these guys because they don't have someone where you say, okay, it's third and six. We need DeMonte Coxie to run a slant. That's what they did on third and short, fourth and short. It was DeMonte Coxie run a slant, beat a guy one-on-one, Brady throw a laser in there first down. That was their go-to in those situations. They do not have a guy necessarily that can do that every time you need it. So it's going to be more by committee. When you have those situations where you need a conversion, and you saw it on Saturday night, it wasn't always one person on those big third and fourth down conversions. It was Calvin Austin sometimes, Taj Washington on the shovel pass. So they they utilize multiple guys in those situations. It's not it's not just one guy that we need to step up. It's it's that whole receiving core. They even had a moment where they handed the ball off to uh to Dreek uh when it was fourth down on their own like 20 yard line in the first half and and to me that took a ton of balls by this Memphis staff so yeah I mean all over the place whether it's quick hitter down the field or even handoff in the backfield so I guess my thing is I'm sitting here listening to you talk and you're saying nobody expected this from Calvin Austin nobody expected Taj Washington nobody expected Javon Ivory and I'm sitting here listening to it and I'm like wait a minute somebody did you can rewind the tape and listen to our podcast over the last two years Christian Fowler expected it Christian has been beating the drum on all three of those guys I mean extensively talked about Taj Washington uh, when Memphis first landed him as a commit love Javon Ivory 
uh, out of last year's class. Expected massive things from uh, Calvin Austin this year. So, you know, I you didn't ask me to do this, but I'm low key. I, I want to give you some props because uh, I think if if fans want to be educated and, and know what's coming up, that they want an idea, you know. So without knowing that that there was going to be a massive hole in Memphis's wide receiver core. Uh, they would have known who to expect to step up if they had been listening to Tigers in 20. So good job to you on calling all of that. So, I want to give a big shout out to Cameron Wilson too. He's not known to be a, a, a pass catching tight end. I think he had two touchdowns or one touchdown and a couple of catches in this last game. It looked awkward, but he got there, man, and that was um, it was impressive. I was I was happy to see Cameron Wilson. He's been known he's a, he's a monster out there. He's six seven, huge kid, blocks really well. But he caught a, he caught a few passes, caught one touchdown pass. I was happy to see him get into the action too. Birmingham, Alabama, represent. <laughs> Def, definitely primarily used as a blocker, and that's because he's a good one. But guys, last thing before we get out of here. Temple game coming up on Saturday. This is a big one, uh, not only because it's another conference game and Memphis really can't uh, can't afford to lose many more of those, but also because of what happened last year with the Joey called it stuff. It was it was, it was a, a heartbreak year. It was a catch. I, I think every Memphis fan will go to their grave saying it was a catch. It was a heartbreaking loss, the only regular season loss of the year last season. So Brooks, let's start with you. Will Memphis avenge that loss on Saturday? Oh man, you know I I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be interesting because Memphis plays at home again. They're not having to go on the road. There's obviously gonna be some adrenaline carrying over, some emotion from that game. But it's it's like it's a lot of times after an emotional experience like that with a big time game, it's easy to have a letdown. So Memphis has to come into to this matchup really keyed up. They're you know they've got to have a good connection between Brady and their wide receiving core. Defense has to step up, but I fully expect Memphis to win the game. It's just it's hard. Uh, if you've ever played competitive sports, you know when you win a big game, a lot of times the letdown is coming. Yeah, I think I think if it was any other team, there might be a letdown coming. But this team, they want to beat Temple. Let's be honest. Uh, I mean, we've heard. Coach speak forever, and coaches are always going to say it's the next game, so it's the most important game. And then after the games, they're they're always like, okay, that game did mean a little more. This game means a little more. Everyone knows that this was Memphis's only loss last year, and it was by terrible circumstances. They should have won the game despite turning the ball over so much. So I think there's an extra chip on the shoulder this weekend. Memphis is back at home where they've been. When's the last time Memphis lost a home game? It's been a long time. <laughs> It's been a long time since Memphis has lost a home game. They don't lose inside the Liberty Bowl. This is obviously a game they need. They match up well defensively, which is something they haven't this year because they've played a lot of teams that like to throw the ball. Uh, Temple loves to run the football. And Memphis's run defense has easily been the strongest point of the defense this season. So they match up well there. I know Ramon Davis is a monster uh, in his sophomore season. That's a big running back, not easy to tackle. Luckily, Memphis has linebackers like J.J. Russell and Thomas Pickens and Zay Cullens. Uh, so I think they'll be able to somewhat maintain him. I don't, I don't think he's an easy guy to stop because he is such a beast. Um, but they match up well there uh, in the trenches. Temple's always got a good offensive line and good running game. So that's really where this matchup lies is in the trenches. 
Um, but I think I think Memphis does pull it out. I think there's too much on the line. I think there's too big of a chip on their shoulder from last year. Uh, and I think think they keep this thing rolling at home. Ramon Davis's neck is wider than his head. Dude, he's massive. He's huge. <laughs> but this is a two touchdown uh, line for Memphis, right? Memphis is favored by two touchdowns. Are they really I think, right? I think I saw that. I on haven't Twitter. even. Check I haven't looked at quick. the line, but if so, that's pretty crazy. I didn't expect them to be favored that much. Yeah, I think it. So while Christian, while Christian is looking 13, at that, thirteen and a half point favorites. Holy shit! Yeah, I did not know that. Anyway, Kenny, go ahead. Here's what I expect to have happened. Christian said it just a few minutes ago. He talked about it being in the trenches. I expect one of the ways that it's like when you're in middle school and there's a bully. When what a bully hates to have happen to them is to be bullied back. And I think that's what's going to happen today. Not that Temple's the bully on the block, but they're a trenches team. They they get into the trenches. They're, they they win and lose um, on the offensive and defensive line. Um, I think – I expect we're going to have a big game from Dreek this week. I think this is going to be a heavy Dreek week. I think you're going to see him um, run the ball a lot. I think you're going to see him get out in the flats. I think you're going to see a lot of, of – of, and, and, and – that's one way that I think the Tigers are going to be able to temper that kind of anticipation, that kind of that antsy feeling or the, or the letdown or whatever you want to call it after the UCF game is doing easy plays in the trenches at the line of scrimmage and get Dreek out in the open. And we've seen it, man. He didn't get a whole lot of play in that second half. He didn't get a whole lot of runs. But, man, when he – when he, when he, in the first half he had a really nice game um really except for that fumble obviously on the first drive but i really expect this game against temple to be a heavy drink game and he's going to do some damage yeah speaking of that fumble I, so i t- i tweeted it obviously because that's what that's what i do and did an observation observation from the first drive and said great drive memphis ran the ball well but unfortunately drink clark fumbled at the 5 yard line he quote tweeted it after the game and said he made up for it. So shout out to Dreek Clark for shout for, clapping, out Clark. for clapping back at me. Three hundred fifteen yards in three games. He's been the perfect replacement for Kenny Gainwell, and and like you said, Kenny should have a big game. I, I would not be surprised at all if they were, if they lean on that running game heavy because, like I said, they don't want to be a team that throws the ball fifty times a game. So they're going to try to lean on Rodriguez Clark in the running game. Trust their offensive line. Trust their defensive line, and uh, and come out of that game three and one. All right, fellas. I think that about wraps everything up. Uh, had a full show this week. Uh, like we said earlier, don't expect a ton of recruiting news from the University of Memphis basketball program. So stick with us. We're going to be hot and heavy with analysis on football. We'll give you everything you need to know about this Memphis basketball team as we look forward to the season starting in late November, November fingers crossed, knock on wood. Uh, so stay tuned, stick with this. We'll be here each and every week. Christian, you got anything else? I'm good. Kenny, you got anything else? I'm good. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 